coldly calculated my brain to work your mind is clear now. exactly anyway welcome to mexico hi how are you uh this is my co-host luis augusto we tried to strand him in australia but he came back <laughs> Ah, uh, don't we all? Uh, and my co-host here is Marti Leon, the man who always manages to look like the substitute teacher who just wants this day to be fucking done. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not that I'm keeping, keeping count, but I'm winning. <laughs> I'm fucking winning. Uh, mean, young, and gay isn't a personality. I'm not being, no, no, I'm not being mean. You I should know, see no, no. Martin Leon arrive at the open mic with this look on his face like, I just want this day to be done. I'm not, I don't even care if you learn something. I'm, I'm getting paid either way. I don't get paid at the open mic. I think you you mean my workshop. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, as a substitute teacher, the substitute oh, teacher, of course. you know, comes yeah. into class and is just like, you know, as long as you don't set each other on fire. Of course. As long as you don't set each other, it's fine. It's like watch a movie. Watch a movie. We're going to watch a movie. Uh, what do you have here? Like, what do, does anyone of you have a CD? It's porn. I don't care. Put it on. <laughs> and then you ask you ask the substitute teacher personal questions. He's like, do you have a girlfriend? And the substitute teacher just goes like, can we not talk about me? Like, I'm not here to bond with you. I'm not here to make friends. This is you. This is just you. That's actually my my uh, my thing with uh, whenever like a straight comedian uh, introduces me to his girlfriend. Like I make no effort to learn her name until like the third time I see her. Like before that, she's like, "Hi, my name's like." Don't tell me. I made no effort to learn your name until the third time. <laughs> no, no, this is well, like, no, it's good. I just I just can't be bothered meeting people. I, it just stresses me to no end. I just can't deal. And now you know my name, and I'm honored. I know your name. Yes. Well, there's yeah. no, there's no forgetting you, is there? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, it's been so long since we saw each other. I know. Have stuff. you been? It's been amazing. It has been amazing. Um, I'm doing the flyer for your next English show in American Legion. I was supposed to do it this morning, but I didn't. Oh, you're such a terrible teacher. <laughs> sir, sir, can we please have you next time our teacher is sick? Because I think it would be great. I would tell, actually, no, I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm kind of a nerd. So I'm sure if I were a substitute teacher, I would go into class and I would ask the teacher, like, what are they, what are they like, what are, what are they supposed to be doing? No, you would try to make a difference in their lives. It's just exactly. Like, I'm going to try to change, exactly. you know, change the way you look at things. And, you, and you, we're going to be like, and, and then at the end, you're going to be like, I, I was trying to teach you something, but in the end, it was you who taught me something. <laughs> Cue the, the musical number and then, you know, the lawsuit, obviously. <laughs> because we live in these times and, you know, that's how it is. Every once in a while you have to have a la lawsuit nowadays. So Martin Leon, he does these amazing uh, posters and flyers for uh, stand-up shows. And he's doing uh, my upcoming show in Legion Americana, Le American Legion. Here in Mexico City. I don't really know the history of that place. Is it actually, like, from the American Legion? Like, is it, or is it I just a so. themed No, it is. Place? It is. That's rubbish I, I think, if it is. I, 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 as far as I know, it was like... Um, I, I think... I, I, this is just me talking out of my ass, but... Uh, but I think it was like this place that um, some vets started. 
And it is supposed to be like a place, like it used to be this place where just like a lot of um, expats uh, just hung around. But I, I don't know. But it's not. It's not a theme bar. It's not. It is. It is. No, but that's a terrible theme. No, exactly. No, and it, it is a nice place. Where you going to? Yes, abandoned warehouse. Yes, <laughs> this is, we're going. For, Which is all the rage nowadays. But burn unit at a hospital. That's the theme we're going for. You know, you sh- you really should try our crispy chicken. You know, it's just <laughs> fantastic. The skin comes off so easily. You wouldn't believe. Oh my god! And this is just my humor. Like if you if you go to see a show of mine, this is just forty minutes of this. You should you should see you should see uh, Luis Augusto's show. He's quite funny. So he's immune to be told he's funny, but he's quite funny. Oh my god! We have to talk about that. <laughs> like the, um, what's the the imposter syndrome? My god! Yeah, I still think I was telling Martin like early a couple of weeks ago. Um, I've, I've only been doing uh, stand-up for uh, about a year, which in stand-up years is nothing. Like, a year is nothing. Only after a year, you kind of start, like, realizing what you kind of want to talk about. And you know it's probably not going to be that, but still, you're kind of realizing, oh, I kind of want to be an anecdote teller. I want yeah. to be a... And uh, Martin, obviously, he's uh, much more experienced. He's my sensei. He's He is the Virgil to my Dante, so to speak. Um and uh, I was talking to him about, you know, how I, I'd, be, I'd been wanting to be a stand-up comedian for so long and I still can't really believe it. I can't believe I'm actually a comedian. Like, like I, can, I can't believe... I, I still refuse to introduce myself as a comedian, do, do you know? Like, I, if I meet someone, it's like, what do you do? I'll tell them, well, I'm, I'm a teacher, I'm, you know, I'm a professor at university, and that's it. Like, I don't really go into the, oh, I'm a comedian... I, I refuse for some for some reason, and I refuse for a while too. And and this like nowadays also like because uh, you know there's also that joke like what are your comedian oh tell us a joke. Um, I also have like I've been doing stand up for nine years and still uh, sometimes I'll be like what the fuck am I doing? Uh, and part of it is that I like a, a lot of people who started with me are doing. I, I feel they're way more successful than I am. A lot of them um, are less successful as well. A lot of them, yeah. But I don't. I, but you. Don't, but you don't. You don't compare those. You, you don't compare yourself unfairly to those people. You should. Um, it's good for you. <laughs> uh, and and part of it is, is I know that that I, the what I want to do isn't maybe as um, initially a commercial as other things. But also, I know that I haven't. Put in the work at some point. No, so. but I mean, to be fair, it's just, I will admit, I love your comedy, and I've always loved your comedy, but I will admit, I am smack dab in the middle of your target audience. Like, I feel like when you write jokes, you write jokes for people who know the things that I do, and who watch the things no. that I watch, and like, it's, I, I do see why you would be more of a niche comedian. And I'm fine with that. I, I think a niche is fine. Uh, the problem here in, in, in Mexico as compared to the U.S. is that the U.S. has had stand-up comedy and comedy in general for like... I mean, of course, we've had comedy here in Mexico for, for as long as long as in the U.S., but stand-up comedy is as, it's like two years older than I am here in Mexico. Um, so we haven't been able to like create this niche in which like you're like well I like this kind of comedy exactly or I like I'm looking for this kind of comedian uh, and it's really annoying because when I've gone to the states I feel like over there I would be I would have it would be easier for me to find an audience even, even not success an audience 
Um, but now what I'm doing is like, if I need to build the audience from the ground up here in Mexico, that's what I have to do. And that's and what you do. That's it. That's essentially what you're doing. Exactly. And before that, I was just like, no, I don't want to. And now I'm like, well, you know, I have to do it. So, what's that phrase with the bootstraps? You have you to lift yourself, pull yourself up, up by the bootstraps and just bootstraps. effing do it. Which is physically impossible, really. I mean, how can you pull yourself up from anywhere? <laughs> you have to hang on to something else, not your bootstraps. Yeah, no. Like, just as far as the laws of physics are concerned, yes, you can't no. just... Unless you're in zero gravity, knowing then no. You no. wouldn't. I think that's the whole point. Like, when people say, you just have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which essentially means you just have to struggle pointlessly and achieve nothing. Mm-hmm. And then and then you are Martin Leo. No, no, no. <laughs> Thank no, you. No, 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 so, sure. anyway, what's our Mexican stereotype for the day, Luis Augusto? Our, me- our, me- our Mexican stereotype of the day... I, uh, oh, yes, I have the Mexican embassy on the phone complaining about this accent now. But I am actually Mexican, so this is really what you expected. Uh... Our Mexican stereotype for the day is beer and tequila. Martin is at this moment drinking a Mexican beer. Yeah, although uh, Dos X Lager was bought by, I think, the Heineken people? Which, and which brings us to our secondary Mexican stereotype of the day, imperialism. You know? Yeah, no, no, no. I think so, but it, it's still uh, marketed as Coltemoc Moctezuma, the beer factor, but I think they were bought by Heineken. Not long ago. And also, it's announcing the EDC uh, Electronic Music Festival. I didn't even know what that was. I thought it was an STI. <laughs> I was like, well, what's, what's happening to him? He's got the EDC. You know, it's just, oh, it's terrible. It's just, yeah. uh, well, you know, to be fair, I'm pretty sure at the EDC, a lot of STIs are present. If you're wondering about that uh, eerie whistle in the street, that's a guy selling sweet potatoes. Of course it is. And it's just like, you know, you hear a whistle, you crave a sweet potato. It's just a... There's so many jokes from, from uh, foreigners in Mexico about that. And like one of the funniest one was uh, by an Argentinian guy called Tomas Jasper, who was like, the first time I heard that, I was like, what, is it missiles? Should I find like a shelter? Like, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. Is I so almost good. made you do a spit take. I'm quite yes, proud of myself. Yes, well, there you go. But yeah, uh, beer and tequila. What what is it about beer and tequila that we love so much in this country? Uh, well, I think there is no country in this world that does not enjoy getting drunk. I think uh, I every single country, if not every single region, I mean, you know, you just eliminate you know, just basically erasing the entire Middle East. Which you know, no, 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 no. One thing is that you have you have trapped yourself in a religion that forbids you from doing it, and another thing is not enjoying it. <laughs> Really? Yeah, I, I don't enjoy it, actually. I no? don't enjoy being drunk. But what, 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 I mean, of I'm course, Mexican, there's limits. Mexican, no, 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 yeah. no, no, no. But what I was saying is, like, whatever you go in the world, they have found a thing to ferment and turn into alcohol. And they have done it, yeah. and they have drunk it, and then, you know, hilarity ensues. Everything is fermented here in Mexico. We have such a wide variety of things, you know. We, we, we are... That was actually the doomsday alarm. Like that was actually that, those are actual missiles. Okay, yeah, we, we do ferment everything here in Mexico. Like we have such a wide variety of alcoholic drinks. Like we have tepache, which is fermented from pineapple. 
And we have uh, mezcal and tequila, which are fermented from a species of cactus that we have here called the the agave. I mean, it's not like you guys don't know mezcal and tequila by this point, but, you know, still. You've been shit at least by tequila. The worst tequila... I'm sorry. I'm sorry uh, for Rochester, New York. No one's listening from over there. But the worst tequila I ever had was sold to one of your bars. And I'm pretty sure you've drunk it and like, this is fine. It's not fine. Do you it remember the, the name? Do you it was something like, it was something with the bull. I remember. Señor El Toro Tequila <laughs> Picante. I don't know. It was awful. Mexicano Juan. But no, yeah, we have, we have, we have tapache, we have, we have pulque, which is also from uh, oh, the agave. Now that I And that can be stomach. fermented. Uh, and I mean, yeah, but I, and let's go to, A, I think, Mexican beer has a good reputation. No, uh, Corona is a beer that's enjoyed worldwide. Uh, but I do think uh, the thing about Mexican beer, I think, is that it's usually meant to be drunk with a little bit of lime, maybe a little bit of that's salt. That's rubbish. You know, so that's that's what tourists do. I mean, if you want no, no, if you want a beer with lime and with salt, you order a michelada here, which is essentially a cocktail. It's essentially a cocktail because although it does have beer as its main ingredient, it's served with ice, which might be, um, you know, if you're listening from the UK or Spain or France or <laughs> Germany, you must be like, what was is das? Ice in my beer? And like, no, no, that's, how is that possible? Well, yeah, it's, it's a cocktail with uh, beer, ice, a rather generous helping of lime juice and then uh, the uh, glass salt beer rim. glasses yeah it's, it's got uh, salt frosting on mm-hmm. the rim and that's but that, that but the thing is you, you're also, also kind of misleading them because in some parts of the like here in Mexico City that's a michelada and then there's another thing called in like in other parts of, of the country if you ask for a michelada you're gonna get what here in Mexico we call a, a cubana or a Cuban oh beer oh my god yes uh, the Cuban beer is, is it's the same as the micheladas we just uh, mentioned but it also has uh, sauces like uh, Maggi juice which I don't know it's kind of a Worse? How do you pronounce that? Oh, I, I want to. I want Worcester to hear you try. Shit. I want to hear you try. <laughs> Worcester sauce. Worcester. Worcester sauce. Worcester sauce. Yeah. Well, it's like stronger than a Worcester sauce. Uh, it has a uh, hot sauce and it's got pepper, yeah. salt in the in the mix. Salt, pepper, Worcester sauce, Maggie juice. Um, and then there's places where, like they, they they like frost the rim like uh, chamoy, uh, which is uh, this like very uh, acid uh, fruit, sweet tart acid yeah fruit. And then there there's places where they they, they just like do, say like you know what the beer is just the vessel. It's the vessel. So like uh, there was a place in Cuernavaca called uh, Crudalia. For those that didn't hear the last episode, Cuernavaca is this uh, smaller city south of Mexico City. Crudalia had like all these kinds of mixes. So there was like this beer that had chili gummies, chili gummies in it, and there there was one that had shrimp in it, and there, it was just like you just got this, you got beer. Yeah, you had like this litter of beer in a um, how do you call uh, uncel in English? Forget styrofoam. It. Styrofoam yeah. cup, like fuck the environment. Uh, the again, uh, this mixture of chamoy and hot sauce and uh, like. Chili powder uh, in, 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 in on the rim, and then uh, all kinds of sauces in the beer, and then you either had like gummy bears or you could have a little Coke gummy. It was just it was a travesty. I quite like the one with gummy bears. I think the shrimp one is one shrimp too far. Like I think <laughs> that's one shellfish too far. It's just shellfish in my beer. That's where I draw the line. Um, 
Yeah, that's where I become kosher. Of all of a sudden, I was like, no, thank you, no, Oigavalta, no. no. Um, but uh, the thing is, I do like the the very very cold beer and the beer soaked gummies with the chili powder and everything. But yeah, like the Cuba, like we have these varieties of beer, like the Cubana and, and others, where essentially. Uh, we just take what's available in the spice rack of our kitchen and we just empty it into a glass, <laughs> put some beer in, it's like, here you go, have a drink. It's very intense. It's very intense. I don't hate it, but I do think that it's just... Do you have a favorite Mexican beer? Yes, I do. My favorite Mexican beer is actually quite um, easy to find. It's called Pacifico. Oh, yeah. It's a lager. It's very light. It it does taste like beer. It's not like I, I hate Corona. As a matter of fact, I hate it. I think it doesn't taste like anything. Yeah. I think it's it's very it's very bland. Pacifico is like a Corona done right. Okay. And I like uh, Pacifico. Too. I quite like it because it's very refreshing. It's actually relatively weak, so you don't really like you don't really get drunk. It's a great beach beer. Like it's it beach takes beer. the heat away. It, it it you do need like a couple to get a, like a but you can like. Keep a buzz going. Exactly. It doesn't. Uh, yeah, for I love dark beers actually, and I do love Pacifico. But like, if I am given a choice, I will take the dark Bohemia, which is Bohemia is um, really good. so good. And you have Fantastic. and you have like a preferred tequila brand. Uh, oh my god, yes. I, I'm I'm a very much a tequila drinker. And uh, here in Mexico, here's the thing about tequila here in Mexico. Tequila is more like a day drink here, <laughs> which is so funny. Because people in the in the states and abroad, it's like you party with tequila, of course. And people don't party margarita. With people don't really party with tequila here. People they will sometimes. You know, you'll get a paloma. A paloma is a, is basically um, great uh, grapefruit soda. soda with tequila. That's it. Um, but do you don't really drink tequila for, at, at a party. You drink tequila at a lunch. You know, like when they're bringing the entrees and they're bringing yeah. the thing, you get your tequila and you get, they, they serve it with this little, again, because the spices and everything, they serve it with this little uh, tomato juice, uh, spiced tomato juice, um, and sometimes some lime as well and so on. But it's more like something you have to taste. Nobody really does shots of tequila unless you kind of have unless you want to get drunk really unless, fast, unless which a lot of girls in Cancun are trying to do right now. Yes, but they're not Mexican. Here's the thing. No, I know. I, I, I never said they were. The mark of a Mexican. And actually, nowadays, since we have a lot of influence from American reality shows, a lot of Mexican girls in bars right now are trying to get drunk with tequila shots. With tequila shots, and tequila is not meant to be drunk. Uh, as a shot, especially because tequila, especially the good ones, are actually quite expensive. Yes. Like you wouldn't really order, if you order a, 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 I don't even know if there's a word in English for that, but it's a shot glass. It's essentially yeah. a shot glass. If you order a shot glass of a good tequila at a reasonably priced bar at downtown Mexico, it'll set you back 10 to $12, yes. which is quite expensive for Mexicans and it is meant to be like sipped sipped yeah you're supposed to sip it you will see some people being like ah foam like we are men but but yeah no but that's not really good tequila usually and again it's people trying to get shit faced people trying to get shit faced and if you if you try to get shit faced here in Mexico you usually just drink gallons and gallons of beer like people Mm -hmm. who try to get shit faced no there's people trying to get shit faced with mezcal too with mezcal and again not the good mezcal you not the good good shit yeah Um, so yeah Come to Mexico. Try our tequila. Try our mezcal. Try tequila. our beer. My favorite tequila, by the way, is Don Julio. It's my favorite. Okay. It's I so don't particularly care for tequila, to be honest. Tequila gives me an awful hangover. Really? Yeah, but I do like mezcal. Uh, I do like uh, Oaxaca mezcal. Uh, it's and delicious. It's this one called, I think, 300 
300 conejos? Some, oh, some yes. Sort of, some yes. sort of quantity of rabbits. Yeah, a, a certain amount of rabbits. It's in the hundreds. Yeah, it's in the hundreds. It's, it's a good... As, as rabbits will be. <laughs> yes. Sooner or later. Sooner or later, it'll, they'll be in the hundreds. But yeah, mezcal is this really smoky, kind of like mm. really, really strong. Really strong. It's and not as sweet as tequila. Tequila's kind of sweet. Like... Which may, may surprise you guys if he's like, mm. tequila is not sweet. Yes, it is. It's actually... It's, well, yeah. I mean... Okay, so that is the Mexican stereotype of the day. Thank you. And now we're moving on to the main meat. The main course. The main course. I need, I need to come up with a better, better uh, word for that. But anyway, uh, today we're talking about our favorite LGBTQ plus themed movies. Did you know that the official that we're using in Mexico is LGBTTQ I plus, yes, That's and the official one they're using for the for the Mexico City Pride. They're thinking of uh, adding another one, but I can't remember. I think the pansexuals were wanting their pee. In I think asexuals. Well, the, pan- the, pansexuals <laughs> the, pansexual. the pansexuals want to have their pee everywhere. You know, it's just like <laughs> they, they always want to put their pee inside. You know, the acronym and everywhere else. You know, since it's what they do. Yeah, and the asexuals as well. And I'm like, you know what? Although asexuals are known for not wanting having the pee. No, yes, and here's the thing. Yeah, but asex- I, I think the line must be drawn somewhere. And I'm not saying that if you're an asexual you shouldn't be included but a sexual is not a sexual preference isn't it though? no it's not it's this it's like saying that because you like beef that is a political preference well <laughs> no, let's having, save that for another episode like saying, no, seriously that's like saying atheism is a religion atheism is no not atheism is not a religion but if you, if you are doing a a a uh What's you call? What's what you call it? Uh, a survey of the spiritual leanings of uh, people. Yeah. You're not gonna not count the atheists. But is it a spirit? I don't know. Let's no, no. Of course, it, it, I totally agree. Yeah. It's not a religion. It's it's not a religion. Uh, but I do think if you're gonna talk to people about their spiritual preferences, one of the, someone says like that's an atheist. Yeah. You're not just not gonna be. You're not gonna put like X amount of people are atheists. I know. I just so like anyway. For a while, I thought I was asexual, but no, I was, I was just not getting laid. Well, you were asexual, <laughs> but not by choice. Uh, anyway. And then uh, there's all these kinds of asexuality, because you have people identifying as asexual, even though they, they have sexual impulses, they just don't want to have sex, sex with people. So they will masturbate and they will watch... No, no they, they will watch porn, for example. A friend yeah. of mine identifies as asexual. Well, that's because people are complicated. People are this complicated. This is the new topic of the, of the, of the episode. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Uh, yeah, there's the whole thing with homoromantic and aromantic and all that. Exactly. I was just like, yeah. People are wonderful. Uh, Complex. It's a rainbow. It's a rainbow. It's like a all rainbow. Anyway. Uh, so our favorite LGBTQ plus movies. Yes. Uh, what even counts as an LGBTQ plus movie? What do you think? Um, wow, I don't know if there's like a Bechdel test for gay movies, but if there isn't, there should If there be. are two gay characters who talk to each other about something, something other that is... than penis, <laughs> then, then we qualify differently. Um, that's the that's Luis Augusto test now. <laughs> gay themed, that's uh, complicated. I would say gay theme, you would need to have. Uh, gay character as a protagonist or as a deuteragonist and the sexuality of this gay character should make an impact on the plot. Okay. Because, again, and we were discussing this uh, last episode, 
um, I barely remember it because it was so, so long ago, but um, <laughs> we were discussing this, I believe, and we were saying um, that maybe if a character is a protagonist and he just so happens to be gay or she just so happens to be trans woman or whatever, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that this has to play a role in her arc yeah. or his arc or whatever. Well, it's, it's funny in that case because like, if you have a gay hero and you have a romantic interest, you could say that that impacts the plot. But does because it? Because the, the romantic interest is not someone of the opposite sex. Uh, I don't think so. I th- I'd say when it impacts the plot, I would say it needs to generate some kind of conflict. Okay, because... so, the, so the, the, the conflict needs to be something about the sexuality yes, of the character. I think or so. the gender I uh, think so. I think so. at least most of the, the gay-themed movies as they are understood generally, they would include the conflicts that come from uh, sexuality. Even if it's uh, in a very, you know, even if it's in a very neutral way, let's think of, for example, the British series Queer as Folk. Um, American. Sexual... No, it's it's English. I know, I know. I was just being a little shit. With Aidan <laughs> Gillen. Fantastic. I, I saw the American version. Oh, God. Anyway, the point is I saw the American version. I, oh I'm a God. basic bitch. I've, I'm well, I, all, all year long, I'm waiting for the pumpkin lattice. You're so basic, your pH is 11. So, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you used that now because it means you can't use it at the beginning of an episode. <laughs> oh my shit, fuck. No, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Damn it. I'm fucking going to Well, yeah, there's no rule, actually. Uh, You're the basic bitch and I'm the acidic bitch. This is is why we get along. We balance each other. We balance each other. Uh, We even went to each other right now. Like, oh, we uh, balance each other. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, I I do agree with that uh, definition of an LGBTQ movie. So, uh, what would you... What is one of the... If not the favorite, you're one of your favorites. Uh, well, today I want to talk to you about a movie. Um, it's a 1996 movie. Um, it's English, directed by uh, Hetty McDonald and released by Channel 4 Films. So it was basically like a BBC uh, thing. No, no, it's not BBC, actually. It's, it's You know, you can watch things that aren't British. Just because you no, have this no, no. accent doesn't mean no, that you can and, watch and I like... do And I do, but I want to talk about this film because this film is, I, I really think it's gorgeous. It's called Beautiful Thing. And here's the, the story. The story is, it's about the, it's all set in these tenement buildings in, uh, I believe it's South London, Southeast London. So it's the, it's a very working class uh, part of London. And from the get-go, I like the setting because it's a very unusual setting. Like, it was, it came out at a time where, especially if you were living in, I was living in Mexico when I saw it, and um, most of the British fiction that we got, it was the upper classes and it was the trendy parts of London, or it was, it was either that or the really, like, depressing moors, you know, and so on. But this was a very working class set. And it happens, a tenement building, if you don't know, it's basically a government building uh, with, you know, cheap housing, essentially, cheap housing projects, the projects, I think you would call them in the States. Mm -hmm. Um, And it happens there. And it's about this guy called Jamie. And he's a teenager. He's about 14 or 15 years old. He's living with his mother. She's a single mother. And she's like, kind of like going through a string of boyfriends at the time. She's got this boyfriend that's kind of like a hippie, kind of like a good for nothing hippie. But he's kind of have, he kind of has a heart as well. But you know, it's a complicated thing with, with the mother. And then there's this neighbor he has, it's called Stee. 
stew, stay. No, it's with an E. I remember because it was with a stay, like Stuart, but stay. And um, this guy, he lives with his father and I believe with his brother and he's in a very abusive household. You know, his father beats him all the time. It's so very, it's very, um, it's horrible. It's very dramatic, but it's horrible. It's very real. And they, uh, at one point, and um, at one point he, uh, stay is beat by his family and uh, Jamie's mother, um, Sandra, Jamie's mother, he uh, invites him over to stay the night because he can't stay. He doesn't have any, any place to stay. And they sleep over and it's a very teenager setting. The sleepover with a guy and you kind of fancy him. And they're both very, very cute teenagers. They're very like, oh, you know, very, it's very sweet. And they sleep on the same bed and they kind of like on the, the, the first night or the second night, they eventually end up kissing. And it's kind of this thing of you, you're close to them and you kind of like touch for a little bit. And it's like, yeah. it's very... And it's the rush of like, oh my God, we're touching hands. It's a, exactly. And it's a very, it's very well shot because it, it really puts you in the mind. I, and I, I saw it when I was a teenager myself and then I saw it as an adult and it really puts you in the mind of what it's like to be a teenager and having these, this sexual awakening. Mm-hmm. Aside from being a gay themed Thing. It's a sexual awakening in its own right, and I, that's why I really like the the, the scenes shot between them. Uh, they're very they're they're written and they're shot in a very in a way that makes it just they're discovering each other and they're discovering their own their own sexuality and so on. Um, and they end up developing a relationship, and as their relationship develops, um, Stay's life at home becomes more and more intense and more and more you know it's more difficult, and. I love it because there's a turning point when they decide, you know, we're gay, basically, and they go, I remember there's this scene where Jamie steals a Gay Times magazine from a newsagent's, because he doesn't go into the conflict of, oh my God, I am gay, this is such a terrible thing, and, you know, people are going to hate me, and so on. He embraces gay culture immediately, and I I thought that was such a... Such an interesting choice, such an interesting writing choice. And then he steals the magazine, and on the magazine, in the magazine, he finds that there is a gay pub nearby. And they both go together. So they go into this gay pub, and there's a drag queen, and there's like, it's a gay pub. And they're having fun, and they have fun at the gay club, and they smile, and they feel included, and they feel happy. And then, um, so it's. It's an unusual film in the sense that even though the sexuality is definitely a a source of conflict and it becomes a source of conflict later on, it's also a source of joy. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I hadn't really seen in all the other gay themed movies I've seen up until until that. Yeah, they tend to be mayor tragic. It's almost like the sexuality is an obstacle. You have, yeah. to, you have to. Well, I mean, in a lot, in a lot of them, they are. No, 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 and, and I'm not saying that it never is that way. But I, th- I loved the narrative choice of making it also something fun to be discovered. How old were you when you saw I was probably around uh, thirteen or fourteen. I was around the age of the main characters actually when I saw it. Okay. Um, probably, I don't, I don't really recall. Um, and where do you see this movie? I saw it on TV, actually. Yeah, I saw it on TV. It was um, I was when I was uh, I was in England actually, and they uh, they reran it, uh, and they, it was just it was just there, and it was it's a very it's a very innocent movie because it's really about two boys, you know, they're, they're kids, and they're discovering this, but they're also having so much fun looking at this world. Mm-hmm. So when they both go to the pub, 
and they get to be a couple for for the and I remember just it's such a beautiful mm-hmm. point when you get to be yourself at this place where you feel safe yeah. and it's such a beautiful scene at the pub and then it is revealed that um Jamie's mum followed them to the pub because she was very concerned oh because Jamie has this best friend who's doing all sorts of drugs and she's like she's trouble she's nice and she's funny but she's also like in a lot of yeah. trouble and she's following them to see what happens because they go to the gay pub with this with this uh, girl and she follows them and she sees them in there mm-hmm. and she goes into this crisis and um, you know she's, she, she basically lashes out at her boyfriend and her boyfriend eventually leaves and then uh, Jamie tells you know his mum you know I think I'm gay and so on and she just runs out on him and it's like really I don't know, it's it's really... Um, there's the complicated thing, because Jamie is this really positive character, and Stay is having trouble accepting that he's gay, and his mother is having trouble accepting that her son is gay. But he is such, a, such an optimist that he eventually convinces them that it is okay. Um, and then at the end of the... I remember the, the climax of the... And it's a very slice of life. Like, there's no real... I mean, there's obviously violence and a terrible... Uh, house violence, you know, household okay. violence and so on, but domestic violence. Um, but still, the antagonist is always the attitude the characters have and not something itself, you know. They, they're never really... Um, I don't know. They, they, It's never about whether or not I'm gay or not. It's only for Stay that it happens. I mean, not for Jamie. Jamie is actually quite... Quite happy. He embraces it really. He embraces it because he finds a place where he belongs and he finds a culture where he belongs. And at the end of the film, and it's such a beautiful scene, it's so amazing. Um, he, they accept each other. Stay accepts Jamie, and then uh, his mother, Jamie's mother, accepts him as well. And Jamie does this thing where they go down to the courtyard in the middle of the tenements, and they start playing this song because the the, the drug addicted friend she's always listening to Mama Cass okay. on, at oh. her house and they start playing Dream a Little Dream of Me by Mama Cass and Jamie and State start dancing in the middle of the Quarter. courtyard of the tenement building so everyone starts going out and seeing them dance to Mama Cass and his mother looks at him and you can see she's so she's such a good actress uh, Linda Henry she's an amazing actress and she looks at them and you can see the change in her attitude. The moment she sees that her son is willing to make himself vulnerable and will not... This is a son that will not be in the closet. The question of whether or not this guy is going to 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 be open about his sexuality is never addressed because he's open about his sexuality from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So she sees him and she goes, okay, fine. And there's the drug addicted friend and she's kind of coming clean and she's kind of like after she has this really bad trip... Um, she grabs the friend, the girlfriend, and she goes down to the courtyard and she starts dancing with the girl, kind of like looking at the neighbours from who are looking from the balconies in a very daring way, saying, go ahead and try to do something to my boy. And the movie ends with these two couples dancing in the middle of the tenement building. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's such a beautiful ending. And I, I remember the song and it's just, just such a sweet thing. And... Yeah, that's beautiful. I have two questions. One, did you cry? No. No, no you are dead inside. No, I'm not. I would actually. have been crying like. I'm not. Here's the thing. I went through a phase in my life when I didn't cry for about ten years. 
um, which was very unhealthy, and I'm not going to say that it was it was good in any you know in any sense of the word. Uh, but I went through this long phase where I didn't cry, and then I started going to therapy, and then I started you know t- taking medication for a number of things that turns out I've always had, and somehow I became more um, I don't know more open with my feelings about myself okay. and about things that, that it started. Now I cry with everything. Like now I'll cry. Like, going to, <laughs> just going to a Pixar movie, I'll be bawling by minute eight, surrounded Why by... Why is the lab doing that to a letter? I know, <laughs> I know, that's me. Uh, and my other, my other question is, um, which character did you uh, identify with more? I identified with Stay, because when I saw that film, I wasn't really out. I wasn't really in. Here's the thing. And I think maybe this movie influenced me now. I'm, I'm just thinking about this now. But when I came out, or when I accepted my gayness, there was no angst. By the time I, I realized that I could be gay, I was older as well. I was 19. So by the end, I was just so happy to be, I just left high school, which meant I was very free. I was attending university. I was studying drama, so I was surrounded by a very positive environment, a very safe environment. Uh, so when I decided I wanted to give this a try, because that, I remember I told myself, I'm going to try it. I'm just going to try it. Um, I was actually quite excited to try it. I was actually quite happy. Um, so I never really had this had this angst of, oh, but I'm going like, no, I... And I realized that this is a privilege. I was fortunate enough to have an outlet and to have people who I knew would be completely accepting of it if I told them and it was fine. I did have some friends, especially the, the, the straight friends that I had that I didn't really open up about. I, yeah, there's, me, there's always those people. It took me a while, but still in the end, it turns out everyone was amazing to me. I, I, like My coming out story is just full of good news. It was just full of good news, full of bonds, and uh, I didn't lose a single friend, I didn't lose a single relationship or anything, family or otherwise. Um, so I identified with Stay because Stay is kind of like this really antisocial, kind of like not very talkative, you know, he's very, he's very dry mm-hmm. to a degree. He's sweet but dry. And I think of myself as someone who is sweet but dry. Like, I, I do I have I would a, describe you as sweet but dry. Yeah. Like, I don't... You've seen me in a social setting. I don't really... The kind of cake you need something to drink with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you, you, you just need to dip it into a bit of tea. You know, it's just like... Just, like a biscotti. Yeah, like a biscotti, exactly. Like, you, you have to dip it in something. You have to dip me in something as well. But I identify with this guy because I've always thought, like, I, I don't really try to act tough, but it does take me a while to be open about things. It does take me a while to, like... Um, make myself vulnerable to people. So mm-hmm. um, I identify with, with Stay because he his his story is all about um, letting his defenses down. Okay. And I have very high defenses. I'm, I'm always very guarded. So I identify with this guy. And I, I think it's such a good, good film and so, to a degree, so ahead of its time. Because even though the sexuality is a source of conflict, it's seen more as a, an open door that you can walk into and you can be happy about. Yeah, I want to see it. I haven't seen it, uh, obviously, and I, I I want to see it now because it does it does um, it does seem like the kind of movie in which in which you in which you know it's part of this you know accept yourself and things will improve. Yeah. Uh, no matter how your circumstances might be other otherwise. I want to show you a picture of the kids. Okay. In that in that. Um, 
that movie because I think I have some right here because it's they're very like and and that's something else as well the kids are not cute in the in the Hollywood sense they're very normal looking kids they don't really have like the Hollywood looks they don't really have the Hollywood well then what's the point at least I'm not kidding because I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's meant to make you feel safe the whole movie is meant to yeah. make you feel safe so like here's a picture of the two kids and with a friend. She's a friend. Okay. And they look just like normal kids. We're going to put that in Twitter, people. Oh, by the way, we have social media. I didn't talk about the last episode. We're on Twitter at, at Mexicans Pod, And we're on Facebook. Just look for Mexicans Podcast. Mexicans as an M. Like Mexican with a TS at the end. Apostrophe TS. Yes. And we're going to put that on, on the Twitter. It's such a good film. Watch. Beautiful, beautiful thing. 1996. Amazing. Just watch it. Okay. Uh, well, uh, that was your movie. My movie. My movie. Uh, this is a movie I saw the trailer for a couple of times. Well, not even a couple, like several times. Because, like, like, I studied film and I, I wanted, you know, gay content. And most of my gay, the gay content I had when I was growing up was actually fanfic. To the point where there's some video games where I, when I come back to the canon, I'm like, oh, that's right. They're not gay. <laughs> <laughs> um... So I watched the trailer for this movie like several times, just, you know, imagining what it would be like. And when I finally saw it, I was like, it must have been like 18, 19. Uh, the movie is called Trick. It's a 1999 movie. Uh, it's directed by Jim Fall, um, star starring Tori Spelling <laughs> of 90210. Why would you do that to yourself? Okay, fine. Uh, well, she just acts in the movie. Uh, she's, I mean, she gets first villain because she's the most famous of the actors that movie, but she's not, she's not, she's like the best friend of, uh, and the, the movie trick, uh, well, as you know, trick means, you know, a guy you're going to have sex with, 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 with for a night. Um, so the movie, uh, starts with this guy who is a drama major, by the way. Uh, he's studying, he's, he, he's writing, uh, a musical. And he asked, like, uh, I think a gay teacher. Um, and he's, like, openly gay, and, you know, that's not, like, an issue. And he he goes, like, he, he's looking for inspiration. He's like, oh, and, and this teacher's like, we'll just go have sex with a, guy, with a guy, and you'll be inspired because you had sex. The teacher tells that to yeah. the student. Yeah, you can tell that. What, what year was this? 1999. Yes, obviously. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he, he goes to a gay bar that happens to have like a, you know, go-go boy. And one of the go-go boys, the, the name of the name of the main guy is uh, Gabriel. And he, he sees in the, the go-go boy is, who's called Mark. He's played by John Paul Pitok, which, which is a very... <laughs> it's almost like a porn name, by the way. It does sound... Uh, and so he sees him dancing and he's this really hot, really like, you know, built go-go boy. And... So they they have like a they, they have a moment in which like they, they like uh, cross you know they, they, their looks you know they just meet their eyes meet uh, and then you know nothing happens he goes he goes out he and on the he gets on the subway this is in New York uh, he gets on the subway and uh, Mark gets on the same subway as he does and he seems to be asleep so like he starts you know like going uh, going like looking at him like through like starting on his feet looking up. And the camera, it, you know, is very male-gazy in that way, you know. And then when he looks at his face, he's actually looking at him. So they have, like, a like, <gasps> moment. So he comes out of the subway, and Mark follows him. And they're basically, well, you know, you you like me, I like you. Let's just, you know, go have sex. And Like you do. 
Like you do. And so the movie starts, and the whole point of the movie is that they can't find a place to have sex in. Okay. <laughs> so they try to go to the guy's place, but Tori Spelling is there, so he can't have sex there. They try to go to another place, but the guy's ex-boyfriend is there. He, they, they have, there's actually this really, uh, this thing that I found that I, that I remember finding really endearing and amusing, in which uh, the guy says, like, well, what's your fantasy? And the guy's like, well, you know, I always wanted to um, have, uh, ha- have a guy blow me while I'm playing the piano. It's like, so it's like, oh, fine, we'll do this. Yeah, but my, like the piano, it wasn't like a grand piano. It was one of those like stuck against the wall. So yeah. it wasn't any space for him. It's like, it's fine. We'll make it do. And so they're just trying there and you know, it's getting all awkward. And then he asks the guys like, what would you want me to play? It's like, no, whatever. It's your fantasy. Like it's my, in my fantasy, I take requests. Oh, that is so funny. <laughs> and so funny. yeah, so uh, it was like a really, it, it wasn't like the best comedy ever, but he had like these really cute comedy moments that I'm, I, I'm a romantic comedy fanatic people. So like, it's something I haven't seen done well in other movies so it was like for me it was this was the thing you could like literally just switch one of the two characters like you could switch both characters to, to, to women and it would still work um so uh so then they keep on they keep on walking and and at some point someone tells uh gabriel that mark just does this with guys he just go fuck you and then leave so like this thing where like they're trying they're starting to make a bond because originally it was this thing where we're gonna have sex and then like go go on our ways but they're starting to bond because they're going through all these places. Right. So uh, it just happens in the one night? Yes. Okay. In, in the one night. Uh, I love films that do that. They, they, they go to this uh, place where there's a drag, drag queen with an amazing monologue and who ends up screaming, I had cum in my eye! <laughs> Uh, I would scream too. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, no context. I just watched the movie. Uh, so they they keep on looking and looking, and you know, and as oh, of course, at, at first in the night, they both tell each other like the version of themselves they want to tell the, the other person they're having sex with for a night. And as the night goes on, they both uh, they they both uh, kind of come clean about who they really are. And it's really, it was a really cute, really fun movie in which... Um, Do they ever have sex? Inside? No, they don't. Okay. They never have sex. But at the end, they like, you know, they exchange phone numbers. And they have told this guy that he'll never give you his real phone number. But the guy already told them, I actually don't live... Because he had told, like, I, I'm renting this room. There's this really old woman that rents, rents me a room, but I don't like her. And it's actually, it's actually my grandmother. Uh, so the Google boy lives with his grandmother. Like so like he, making themselves vulnerable. So exactly. So he gives them a phone number, and the last scene of the movie is he goes to a payphone. This is an old movie, um, and he he t- dials the number, and he hears a voice message of the guy's grandmother. So then, so it's just he knows he gave he gave him the real phone number. He hangs up, and it ends with a musical, uh, sung from a musical, which it now escapes me. But that it has been uh, touched upon throughout the movie, so it's a re- I, I, it's a really uh, like a small, cute, independent movie. I and for me, it was just like this is the romantic comedy I've been waiting for for a while. You know, it's just because it, it, you know it does it does touch on the all the tropes of the romantic comedy, but it's also you know it also it's very it was a very queer sensitivity with a drag queen and this whole thing. Like, we're gonna have sex for a night, but in the end, it was more than that. So yeah, that's my. LGBTQ plus, and again, I, like I, I had watched the trailer for this movie so many times, and because I just imagined, you know, because like every other gay movie I saw was like, you know, dramatic, sad, and oh my god, everyone's gay and everyone's sad. Uh, the I saw a movie not long before that called Carrel, which is a French movie about a sailor who's gay, but oh, it's a weird French movie about 
gay sailor. It was a, re- it was a really hot sailor, but still, it was a weird movie. Just those moments in which were there, they were vulnerable to, to each other. I mean, there's a reason why I read angsty fanfic. Like, I like the sexual part of, you know, the relationship. But it's this part where you're, like, really, you know, vulnerable with someone else that is, like, the real porn. Feelings porn. Feelings porn. I like that. Yeah. Feelings porn. Um, I have questions for you as well. Please. Um, well, first of all, I'm going to repeat one of yours because I think it's very good. Who do you identify with? Oh, totally. Gabriel. The, the, the like Because the, he was, like, a, you know, like kind of a nerdy. He was a writer. And he... He's not the, you know, of course, he is more Hollywood cute. His name is, he's the actor's name, I think, Chris Campbell. I don't think he did much afterwards. But but he they're both, like, very, you know, let's say that the movie doesn't get any awards for diversity. Um, but he's, like, you know, uh, kind of shy and kind of brainy. You know, he's, yeah. he's, your, he's your, you know, romantic comedy lead. You know, he's, like Meg Ryan and Jola Roberts, they're not intimidatingly pretty. They are, you know, they're identified. It's like, I could be like that. I could, like, do my hair and, you know, like... I could be... Take a diet, yeah. like, get on a diet for a couple of weeks and I'll be just like that. Um, so, yeah, uh, Gabriel's the one that I identify with the most. Okay. And did you, like, did you find yourself, because this is something that, I, that happened to me, um, when I was watching the... Uh, because romantic comedies do that to you, and I think that's why we gays deserve the more romantic, more romantic comedies. I think because romantic comedies are all about like we all have been in relationships, right? Yes, and we know the complexities of these relationships, and the romantic comedy is kind of like a way of escaping that. And there's the there's the problem, but then the problem is kind of like avoided, and then everything is fine. Like and unless you count the romantic comedies, like My Best Friend's Wedding, where it's really like the character going like, oh, it's not about me, and so. But but really, the romantic comedy is all about making it work in the end, and we like the whole happy ending thing. And I just wanted to ask you because this happened to me with uh, watching Beautiful Thing when I was watching it as an adult. Um, I wished I could have had that when I was younger. Did you get that with this film? Like, did you... Um, or did you ever have something like that? No, I didn't. Like I said, I had fanfic, and fanfic is, like, you could... No, in real life, you, I mean. Exactly. Well... Did you uh, have something like that? Like a movie or like an actual like, relationship? Like a that. relationship that was kind of like reminded you of this. Yeah, it was messier, and I think real life tends to be messier. But um, but yeah, around the time uh, I had a sort of thing with a guy. I was living when I watched this movie when I was living in Connecticut. Uh, actually, I managed to see it because they had it like in the library. Because uh, at this point, like, I've been out to friends since I was 16, and I've been aware of my sexuality, as opposed to you. Like, I was aware of being gay from, like, when I was 12, or, you know, when... I, I was aware that I liked boys my entire life. I couldn't put a name on it until, like, I was 12, 13, and I was in a Christian school at the moment, so it wasn't the ideal place for that. Um, I came maybe out, it was. No, sorry. I'm so sorry. And then, uh, then I went to... Then I told my friends, but my parents... I was still something I was very much keeping in the dark... My parents in the dark about. So when I saw that movie, I had to watch, like, you know, my parents are, are asleep. I'm going to put this in the DVD player. And at that point, I was like 18, 19. It was, it was kind of sad. I was doing it behind my, my parents' back. But, uh, but for me, uh, around that time, too, I met this guy in... And I met him through, uh, through Yahoo Pages... I am that old. Uh, My goodness. I was I was going, you know, when I went, you know, the Yahoo page had like several like themes and whatever. So I went, I, I got into, I, I, 
I, li- I, I like buff guys, people. You must know that I like buff guys. I'm very much into big biceps. And I, and I got into a page basically about bodybuilding. And this guy started messaging me through that page. And I saw the user pic and I was like, okay, this guy is just some buff guy who will never ever see me uh, as anything other than, you know, whatever. And I started I started talking to him, and we you know we we, start, we went on messenger, and we started talk, then we then we started talking on the phone. He lived like two hours north of where I was. He lived in Hartford, Connecticut. I live in Stamford, so it was like it was not like right next. Even though Connecticut is a smaller state for that to happen, it was not like oh let's just get on a bus and go. Uh, but eventually we met, and it was just yeah. I mean, it wasn't like you know we try to have sex all night, but. Um, but for me, it was just, it was just really special because yeah, like we, you know, cause we had, uh, met through the internet and we had messages this whole time. We had talked to each other and I was afraid that we would meet and it would be an immediate, like, yeah, no, this isn't going to happen. Especially ever. after two hours. Yeah. Driving yeah. And I drove, we were one in the middle. So we I drove one hour, he drove one. And we met, and it was just this immediate spark. Really? And it was, yeah, and to this day, that is sadly, well, not sadly, like, uh, bittersweetly, the relationship. I, like, measure everything with. Really? And... How long was this relationship? We ended up uh, being together for, like, a year and something like that. Well, yeah. Okay, so... I moved back to Mexico. He stayed in Connecticut. And he married a woman, has a child now. Really? (laughs) Yeah, that was the first of many... Oh, yeah, he's actually straight. Uh, but when we were together, it was just amazing. It was magical. And we, we went to places together. And I went... And he, he was, he was like... He was, a, he was a lovable nerd. You know, he dressed as a Nazgul for Halloween and scared kids. And he, he was just... He was just really... He, it's, it's unfair for me that I got to have... Like, at point I was like, oh, my God. I, you know, I was even... I was with him for, like, a year and something. And it was kind of, like insane for me to remember that uh and you know part of me wishes that i hadn't left and it could have stayed and you know maybe something would happen he wouldn't i don't know Mm, yeah he know i I met his friends once and it was awkward because you know like did they know no all his friends thought he was straight and but they knew i was gay so it was awkward because i told them like he's like you can come to a fourth of july barbecue with me i'm like i could but i'm not gonna hide the fact that i'm gay and he's like no it's fine uh, so yeah, as far as his friends were, he's like, he was, he's, this is the gay guy that I met on the internet. I don't know if he told him that, but, um, and again, he was just, he was so nice and he was talking to him. He's the kind of person you could talk just for hours. And, and so, yeah, now that I, I hadn't realized until right now, but I kind of did have the whole thing with, I had my, my, my trick in one way or another. That's a thing, yeah. No, that's a that's a good a good romantic comedy is supposed to make you want it, but also supposed to make you um, kind of like I, I do it. I do. I compare my relationships to romantic comedies all the time. Like I think that's the point of them. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people complain about romantic comedy being problematic, but for I think it's like you, you. This is a fairy tale. In the it's end. a fairy it's tale. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be this the thing where your only problem isn't that you have to pay rent or whatever. It's just uh, you are going to... Your problem is that how do I get together with this cute guy or girl that I know? Um, and yeah, my one flaw is that I'm clumsy. I'm so sorry. 
Uh, and, and I care too much about my career. I have no time for men. <laughs> that would be me. Everybody's like, I'm sorry, but I have no time for men. I have yeah. so many things to do. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. meetings and manicures, and I can't deal with. I men. don't have time. Yeah. I don't have time. Me, I'm the, the you know the the always the bridesmaid, never the bride kind of main oh, character. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, you, you spend so much time helping others. When are you gonna help yourself? When is it about you, Martin? When is it about you? When and and so yeah, uh, that was trick. So anyway, uh, I have another question. Just really quick. Okay. Non gay themed romantic comedies. What's your top? Bridget Jones, uh, oh God, the, yes. trilo- the trilogy, I love them all. I think Bridget Jones, I could watch that movie uh, so many times. It's it, the, the wit, the humor, uh, Hugh Grant in it, Colin Firth in it. Uh, the last movie I thought I saw it and I thought it was going to be bad. No, it is. It's good. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. I love that in the last movie, uh, Bridget Jones, her thing is, I don't know who this the father of this baby is and at no point is, is she ever called like a slut or something yeah. she like Emma Thompson as the doctor so she is amazing uh, Patrick Dempsey as the as the, the perfect guy yeah he's, yeah, he's the perfect guy he, it's just um, Bridget Jones and if we go for American uh, romance it doesn't all have to be American you can just let an English film win okay fine. it's fine and you I did I do I, I did think about saying uh, Bridget Jones diary because I love them as well uh, we should do a marathon one day. we should do an episode I'm I gonna write it the third, I love the third film um, especially because it's kind of like flipped the whole thing on its head so now Bridget is very successful and she's very she's come to her own to a degree but then also Mark Darcy is no longer the perfect guy yes. compared to the troublesome very damaged guy so now Mark Darcy is Daniel Cleaver he's bad news he's not very positive he's not very you know, and they're divorced at this point divorced, which is an amazing and somebody else I believe and, yeah. you know, so on. and then the perfect guy shows up so Mark Mark Darcy meets the new Mark Darcy who is very cool and very international and as well very successful but he is also very um, socially open and very he's the opposite kind of like he's got everything he is, he's got the heart of Mark Darcy and the manners of Daniel Cleaver so he's kind of like his match his ultimate match, you know, and when she chooses uh, Mark Darcy in the end, it's like, of course she chose him, it's fine. Of course. But I'm going to choose my favourite romantic comedy is um, Something's Gonna Give with Jack Nicholson uh, and Helen Hunt. Diane, oh my. No, Diane Keaton. Yes, oh, I'm Keaton. thinking as good as it gets. As yes, good as Jack it, Nicholson. Which is a close second. Yeah, yeah, no, both, I'm sorry. I can't believe both my uh, favourite romantic comedies are Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. But Something's Gonna Give wins for me. First of all, because I think Diane Keaton is a treasure totally. in that movie. And also because it talks about like age and gender and what does it mean to be a 60-something-year-old man who only has sex with 20-something-year-old girls. And the, then the woman who falls in love with this, well, not doesn't really fall in love with, like has a relationship with a younger man. And it talks about really real problems. And you can see that it's a romantic comedy about real things. It's not really the whole thing of, oh, all I need is to fall in love and that'll, mm-hmm. be, th- that'll be it. You have these two people who are kind of like already complete. Yes. She is complete in her own way and he's complete in, her, in his own way. And they both find each other and they learn something from each other. So it's so like the scene where they're about to have sex 
And she says, I think we should take your blood pressure because he's had a heart attack. I think we should take your blood pressure. And he's like, what? And she's like, yeah. And she starts taking his blood pressure. And she says, oh my God, 120 over 80. And she just throws the blood pressure thing. It ends up hanging from a beam. And then it's cut to the morning after. And yeah. I, I think it's so funny. And then my favorite scene of the whole thing is when they break up. And she's mm. a playwright. And she starts playing this French music. I think it's Eartha Kitt. And she starts writing, but she's crying. She's having yes. these fits of crying. So she's like, there's the scene of her falling. She's asleep and she wakes up. And the moment she wakes up, she goes, ah! And she's so over the top. And still, who hasn't been that woman? I have been Diane Keaton. I have woken up and just remembered again. And I just start crying for no reason. Yeah. And then at some point, her daughter comes to her and is like... What's wrong with her? And she says, I'm crying now. This is my thing now. I'm crying. And it's such a good movie. I think it's so great. It is an amazing so movie. Great. And to be fair, Jack Nicholson, I don't know if you've seen the, the, the earlier Jack Nicholson movie, movies, but he was quite a handsome young fella. He's still handsome in this film. He is, young, he is handsome. And, I mean, Not, he hasn't aged as well as Diane Keaton, but well, then again, know, who has? Uh, yeah, also a man in, and man in the movie, movie business doesn't have to worry as much as a woman. Definitely. But yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a great movie, and I think it's the better because later later you had uh, Meryl Streep with what's his face um, Baldwin. Baldwin, Alec yeah, Baldwin. which was the same. I think if not the same screenwriter and director, the same. Nancy script, Myers, yeah, yeah okay. I think. Um, but yeah, no, that, that is that is quite a fantastic movie. I think everyone is perfectly casted in that. Even Keanu Reeves. You have Keanu Reeves, uh, Frances McDormand, yes. who's the sister. She's the feminist gender studies teacher. And she's like, she's kind of like the audience yeah. surrogate explaining to us what is happening with these two characters. Mm-hmm. And then when she writes the play about their relationship and he feels so vulnerable, he has an anxiety attack. And he there's this wonderful sequence of him going to every woman he's ever dated. Yeah. And learning about himself. And he says, and there's this wonderful quote by him, and I'm going to end it, end my part, my participation in this uh, episode of the podcast with this quote, because I think it's the best quote in the entire film. And he says, when he finally tracks her down in Paris, of course it's Paris, and it's Paris, it has to be. He tracks her down, and he tells her his story of him going to every woman he's ever dated. And she says, what, well, what happened? And he answers... You see, when you hear the same thing about yourself over and over again, something starts to change. And that, and I was watching that, I was like, oh my God, like, what would happen if I went to every single person I've been romantically involved with and I just did, like, took inventory? How were you? How did you feel? How did I make you feel? It's such a tough thing, such a brave thing that his character does. And he makes himself vulnerable and he ends up crying in the bridge. He cries on top of a bridge in Paris mm. until she goes and finds him and it starts to snow. It's amazing. I love it that is, film. It so is. So good. Oh my God. So good. So that's a project for you. You know, go to every person you've been romantically involved with. No, God no. To talk. God no, no. I'll I could do that too. It would take me like three hours tops. Hey, are you calling The me flight to Connecticut. Is, no, I'm calling, I'm calling myself a prude. Uh, You're a prude who has a thing for buff men. Yes. How do you make those two things happen? There are two wolves inside of you. <laughs> one, one of them is a prude, and one of them really likes biceps. <laughs> Which wolf will win? The one that likes biceps. The one that likes biceps. <laughs> uh, that's the one that we're turning right now. Anyway. And yeah, I, 
Please. Oh, let me just finish with this tiny anecdote. My first date with... I'm, I'm currently um, I'm living with my boyfriend. We've been together for about uh, three years. And our first date, we went to watch the third Bridget Jones film. It was about to be taken off. Yeah, because the no, theaters. Yeah, it was here, about in Me- to be, here in Mexico, nobody saw that movie. It was about to be taken off the theaters, and uh, we were we were chatting, we were like sending each other texts, and he's like, "Do you like Bridget Jones?" And I'm like, "I fucking love Bridget Jones." And he's like, "Did you know that it's still at these three theaters in the city?" And I haven't seen it. Do you want to see it with me? And I was like, "Fuck yes." <laughs> Sorry, but this is all funny, and. We went to the cinema and we sat down. We were so ready. And I'm the kind of guy who just pigs out at the cinema. I don't do the whole, I'll just have a small water and a candy bar. Like, I can't. No. Like, give me a tub of carbohydrates. Like, a a bucket. If it comes in a bucket, I'll eat it. And there I'm sitting in a, you know, with a bucket the size of a child and huge ass drink and the chocolate and whatever and he's like and he's so happy that I've got all this food for us so we're just like eating and then this woman um comes in and we were at the VIP thing which is like that's really fancy it's like larger couches and they can bring you you could tell he was trying to impress me because the last you know oh he paid oh he paid for that and I paid for the food okay good it was like it's what you do because you're a keeper too it's what you do and then we sit down and then next to us in comes this girl. She must have been about 29. She must have been, no, no, like, probably early 30s, like 33 or 34. She sits down on her own with a pint of Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> and I hadn't noticed her. And then he turns and he looks at her. And he, my boyfriend's name is Inyaki. He turns over and he tells me, you know what? that's the way you watch a Bridget Jones film. And he just said it with such confidence. And I was like, I think I found a guy. Like, I think <laughs> I found someone because that was such a good joke and such a good observation. And that was, it was, and we had so much fun watching her just digging at this vanilla ice cream. And it was so much fun. And that was our first date. And that's hilarious because as we all know, Bridget Jones had a relationship with two men. One ben. named Ben and the other Jerry. I can quote that movie... Please. Endlessly. And here's one more thing. This is funny. Uh, But uh, do you remember... Stupid question. (laughs) But do you remember in the second film, she um, goes on a holiday with uh, Mark Darcy and she uh, thinks she's pregnant. And she goes to a a chemist's and she wants to get a pregnancy test. And she doesn't know how to speak German. So she goes into the, the place and she goes like... Uh, uh, meet baby, I would meet, and she's trying to like say like three words of German, yeah. and then she she loses her shit and she goes, "Look, I'm a girl, and I met a boy, Fraulein, and I met Fro boy, and we were talking about this on our way back from our first date, and that's why from that day our first date, my boyfriend's name no. in my phone is Fro boy." Which, which, if you don't know German, means Mrs. Boy. And never was there a more accurate description of my man. Mrs. Boy. And with that, we're closing this podcast, people. See you. Well, listen to us next week. Bye. Bye.